This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new episode of Mercado and Manning. It's Media Week's weekly TV podcast. And before we go any further, I'll confirm to my co-host, Andrew Mercado, that we're going to have some news next week about a bit of a rebranding of this podcast, Andrew, but we won't give any more away. We're still sort of polishing up a few details there. So we'll bring it in next week. Look, we've got a lot to talk about today, Andrew. We're going to talk about History of the World Part 2. We're going to talk about extrapolations, which you saw last week, but you wanted me to watch it this week. Yep. And and I've done that. Uh, Lucky Hank, close to me, class of 07. But, Andrew, there's a big show everybody's been waiting for to come back, and we'll start with that this week. What is it? Well, it's the fourth and final season of Succession, uh, the HBO show which screens here in Australia on Foxtel and Binge, which is about the world's most hideous family. I couldn't help but think as I watched the the first episode of the new series, within about five minutes I was reminded, oh, yeah, these, these people are really, really awful. There's literally nobody in this family that you can go, oh, well, they're the moral centre of the show. They've all all been seduced by the money. They all behave abominably all the time. And some of them are complete and utter idiots <laughs> masquerading behind uh, the family money. So, yeah, I thought it uh, gets off to uh, a great start and and very much uh, in the succession vibe that we're, we've been used to seeing over the last three seasons. Yeah, look, people who have... Um been relying on this for their, you know, one of their premium watches every year. They certainly won't be disappointed going off uh, the the preview we've seen of the first episode. It's really good. Look, my favourite characters, I've probably got three. Look, they're all good, right? So it's a bit mean singling out three, but I'm going to, right? (laughs) So, yeah, Kendall Roy, I mean, Jeremy Strong plays him and, wow, what a ride he's had on on the three three seasons, you know. Um, and he delivers again in the start of this one. Uh, Logan Roy, uh, Kendall's father, Brian Cox. Look, you've you've got to take your hat off to him. He's so good in that role, isn't he? He's just. Oh. Yeah, I think I think you know his. Uh, I think he will forever be defined by this role. And I mean, he's played these type of characters before. I mean, he's even yeah. done it down here in Australia when he was on that series, The Straits, about the crime family that was up in uh, I think it was the Tiwi Islands or somewhere in northern Australia. He played a very similar version of that character, but this character is his most monstrous because <laughs> this one has the most money and the most power. Yeah, look, in a way, he's very different to the character, of course, but in a way there's similarities. He, he is a bit gruff and he is a bit yeah. uh, dogmatic in the way he talks almost, if you like. Um, yeah. he, was on, he was on Q&A. Was it earlier this year or late last, last year? year? Last yeah. year. Last um, year. And it was great seeing he did a lot of interviews. It? And you saw bits of that character coming through in his personality, I thought. Yeah, I don't think he's someone who suffers fools gladly. (laughs) (laughs) And my third favourite character, look, I can't go past Cousin Greg. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, his character suffers the most out of any of them and, you know, he gets, you know, it it doesn't let up in that first episode of the new season either. He really steams, 
steals a lot of the scenes he's in, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And I mean, his character, he, he's he's sort of like he's sort of an outlier to the family. And he's, you know, he's constantly putting his foot in it because he hasn't been brought up in that type of environment. But he's also not learning to be smart at all. He <laughs> is continually doing really stupid things uh, like uh, in the first episode when he brings a date to a party that he really should have thought more cleverly about. And, you know, the, the things that are said about her are so hilarious. And, uh, yeah, he's so dopey. I mean, you want to sort of love Cousin Greg because he was the outsider. But really, he's been as seduced by the money as anybody else. And uh, he's ended up not being a very nice person at all. Yeah, played by uh, Nicholas Braun. Um and his character is the grandson of Logan Roy's brother. Yeah. So the, the family, you know, they they sort of take him in, but he just never really assimilates. He's always that little bit of an outsider, but he's always there in the sort of key. When key things happen, he's usually hanging around. So yeah. they, um, they do their best. But look, the, and, I, I, and a shout out to Roman Roy. Look, he mightn't have been in my three favorite characters, but he gets all <laughs> he gets all the best lines though, doesn't he? Yeah. When it comes to seals, scene stealing with the the best script, I mean, he really does it. And how great too that Kieran Culkin has now got this TV role for so long. He was just the little brother <laughs> of Macaulay Culkin, but now he's really, really. Uh, gone up there now and uh look i'll give a shout out for uh connor as played by alan ruck the one who's trying to go into politics uh <laughs> and has just one percent of the vote and he thinks that's good like that the the, the way that he tries to pass off one percent as somewhat of an achievement is quite hilarious yeah and there's a you know, and, and it's not giving it away. That's mentioned a little bit in the start of the new season. And cousin Greg is involved in one one of those conversations, <laughs> and it's really funny the the sort of um, the repartee between them. But it's it's very funny. Look, I to refresh myself for this, I had a quick look at the at episode nine, which was the last episode of season three, to, to remind myself of what happened, and it's. I try and do that for for, for series I love because when you watch a lot of TV, things just things just blur in my memory. So I I really like having that refresher, and it reminded me of of Kendall. He went through a bit of you know he he survived a drowning incident at the end of last season. So I, I was glad to get that refresher of that. There was um, Logan was going through a deal to to sell the business, and he hadn't involved all the children. And that, you know, they had to deal with that at the end of uh, last season. So it was um, a few key things happened, and I was just glad I, I had that refresher. Yeah, I feel like we miss out sometimes when we watch the media preview sites, which just play the episode. I'm pretty sure that when this goes to air on Monday, that uh -huh. HBO will have a kind of catch-up of last season to bring you into the story because it just does, just does pick up. And like you, I was sitting there having not re-watched the last episode, kind of struggling to go, what what's happening? Where did, where did we leave this? Like over a year ago, I've watched a lot of TV since then. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, if we watch 
watched it on Monday, you'd uh, uh, every other viewer will get a really nice recap to put them more in the centre of the story. Yeah, look, you can watch that uh, coming up on Binge or Foxtel. It's cause of its content that's part of their HBO deal, which was recently renewed. We think they've probably got two years left to run on that before they have to think about negotiating uh, another renewal. Um, yeah. Look, let's get cracking on. There's a few other things. Let's talk about the class of 07. It's up on Prime Video. It's eight episodes it's an Australian production. Uh, it's from Matchbox Pictures. And it's another one about a girl's school. I mean, we've just had uh, on stand bad behaviour and we also had on stand Black Snow, which was about a high school reunion. And Class of 07 is those things. It's a high school reunion with flashbacks to them being in high school. But... It's set in sort of, I don't know how to describe it. Is it like an apocalyptic disaster takes place? And this is where I had a lot of trouble connecting to Class of 07 because, you know, it doesn't even work for me on a schlocky disaster movie level. And I like <laughs> schlocky disaster movies. But the concept that there's this girls' school on top of a mountain having a high school reunion with nobody in the building, uh, no teachers live on site anymore, no one there doing their AV or DJ equipment, just all these girls up there. One of the girls is played by Emily Browning. She has cut herself off from social media after what is quite a funny opener for the show where she's on a show like The Bachelor and she uh, has a bit of a meltdown and it goes viral. So she's living in a caravan uh, close to the school, cut off from social media, so isn't aware the high school reunion is going on. Suddenly all of these uh, geezers, water starts uh punching out of the mountain and water starts flooding everywhere. So she gets an alert on her phone and drives to this school to higher ground. But I should point out, she's the only person in all of Australia that apparently gets this alert. Nobody else rushes up to this school on top of a mountain, just her. Nobody at the party gets a message on their mobile phone to say, hey, something Bad is about to go down. And when she gets to the party, rather than tell everybody about this, which she sort of tries, but they all laugh, she just decides to take ecstasy and dance at this party. <laughs> and then when they come out, the mountain is now sticking up out of what looks like a giant lake and uh, they're surrounded by water. No one's heard all this water gushing in. The water isn't particularly dirty. It's not, not nice and fresh like a lake. Uh, I think there's one tiny bit of rubbish that's floating past. Look, seriously, what, what are we talking about here? This is just – if you've got to – watch a show for eight episodes, even if it's a comedy, it's got to have some sort of believability at its core. And I just had a lot of trouble trying to, even though it's a an apocalyptic type comedy, I just couldn't buy any of it. Yeah, no, you're right. This is, um, there's not many redeeming features in this. You mentioned the, the one that stands out, which was the, opening of the series where um Emily Browning as Zoe is is on a dating reality show and it's the sort of climax and the guy she thinks she's about to be 
paired with. He thinks she thinks he's going to choose or he doesn't. He, he, he knocks her back, then it's really funny. That's It's very well done. But then, gee whiz, it just goes off the rails big time, this one. Yeah. Um, the apocalyptic tidal wave, wow. Wow. And, <laughs> and it just, just so happens that, that, you know, after her shock sort of meltdown on, on TV in this reality show, she, she drops out and goes and lives in the country, presumably miles from anywhere, but but where she has to evacuate when this sort of tidal wave hits just happens to be the exact night where there's a reunion at the school, which she knows, knows nothing about, but yeah. just happens to walk in. Oh, what are the chances? What are the chances? <laughs> yeah, it's really, really... I've tried. I'm 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 working my way through episode three, trying to find something because there is a review of the show from the Guardian that says it gets better as it goes along. But right. wow, I'm I'm on episode three and still going. You're kidding me, aren't you? It's it's just it's not particularly funny. No, um, no. some of the acting is not that great, and I just find the whole premise absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, look, I. I, I sympathise with the cast at times and wonder what they've been given. You know, it's um, I, I kept thinking of Sharknado. I don't know why. Maybe because there's lots of water, and but it was just sort of crazy. Didn't make any sense. It was wacky. I mean, maybe there is a market for that. Um, but writer director Casey Anning. Look, she's got a track record. She did the other guy for Stan. Yeah, that's a good I, I think that went for two seasons. So there was a market for that. Look, I didn't love that either. But there must have been a market for it because Stan wouldn't have recommissioned more. Um, Mimi Butler was a producer on this. Look, she's worked on the the um, some great miniseries. How's that? The Kerry Packers War, uh, Paper Giants. She worked on um, a Rush with Roger Corsa, Callum Ovey, and uh, Nicole De Silva. Um, that ran for a long time, very successful. But gee, it, it just doesn't gel together. No, it doesn't. It feels to me like Amazon Prime started frothing at the mouth when they heard it was a series about a high school reunion because then that plays right into what is clearly one of their target markets. Everybody knows that every streamer is going for young adult type drama slash comedy. Uh, So I think they were sold on the fact that this was an all-female ensemble and that's very much what, you know, audiences are wanting to see on TV now. And the idea that this would be a comedy would have sounded attractive. And they've spent a lot of money on this. I mean, wow, what, what what a budget. But, you know, none of the budget has actually gone on the actual disaster. They just come out and the school is now surrounded by a lake. But nevertheless, they've not skimped on the budget. Um, but, yeah, it just feels like a wasted opportunity. Yeah, yeah, but it is. It's not great. But, look, you know, tune in if you want to be sort of, I don't know, bedazzled on <laughs> Puzzled. Well, tune in if you want to see Emily Browning. If you want to, if yeah. Neighbours fans will want to see Caitlin Stacy in this. Okay. Um, and you know, Steph Tisdell is very funny as uh, the Indigenous student that was at the school on a scholarship. Um, I mean, th- there are some good actors in there. I just don't think they've got very good material to work with. Yeah, the two sort of drug takers amongst the at the sort of reunion. They they're quite funny. I mean, they. Yeah. they they have a couple of little cameos, which is good. Anyway, we'll move on. 
Look, the only show I think in this week's one, two, three, four, five, six we're going to be talking about that's actually on free to air is close to me. Yeah. Coming up in the ABC on Sunday nights. It's on ABC iView, six episodes. I think it's a co-pro between British and um, a Scandinavian. It's the Nordic Entertainment Group that yep. made this, and it certainly feels a little bit Scandy. In sure the, does. Uh, the I mean, they, li- they live in a very Scandy house, I thought, even though the show is set in England and it's about a woman who is a, a Danish translator. Um, I thought that it was, I thought that her house was very, very Danish. It, you know, <laughs> everything in that house, the wood panelling, uh, the colours, it was like, oh, yeah, this is so Scandy noir. It's, it's crazy. But, look, I really liked Close to Me. What about you, James? Yeah, look, I did. Um, It's 2021, right? So I start thinking, well, why has it taken a while for this to get here? So I'm not sure if it was available somewhere else on a streaming platform than the free-to-air rights have just become available. But look, it's good, but it's not brilliant. Yeah. So that makes look. If this was brilliant, they would have been on air straight away somewhere. Yes, that's right. That's somebody's picked this up in a rights package or something, and it's look, it's. It's it's worth watching. I think I really liked it. Connie Nielsen is the, look. I don't know a lot about her. She's been in a lot of DC Universe movies, though. I think Hippolyta is her character. She's been well, in. Well, like, she's um, the mother of Wonder Woman. Oh, you know, I wow! Was, okay, I was yeah. looking at her from the moment it started. Going, I know you. I know you. I've seen you in something. What is it? And I was caught up in the drama of it. And then I went to IMDb and went, "Of course, you're Wonder Woman's mother." And by Wonder Woman, I mean the Gal Gadot uh, movies, uh-huh. Gadot yep. movies uh, that the DC Wonder Woman's, which were terrific movies by the way i thought they were great um and yeah connie nielsen i finally put the face to the 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 name yeah look she has a fall at the start of the episode right and yeah, um, yeah. suffers a head trauma what happens she loses her short-term memory can't remember anything in the last 12 months um her husband you know becomes a carer to, to look after her try and you know help her remember what's happened and i th- I guess that happens over the course. I mean, that that happens right at the first. That that's the very opening scene. I, I, I've yeah. only seen that first episode, so I've no idea. But you would imagine it, it comes back, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, it's it, I think it's great. I love these kind of psych, psychological dramas, and I was. It reminded me a little bit of. Dr. Foster, you know, that drama we loved so much where, you know, there's a woman questioning what's been going on and trying to figure out is she crazy or whether or not something is going on. And of course, we know in these shows there usually is something going on. And the fact that she's lost a whole year of her life and the fact that her husband and children keep glancing at each other and it keeping information from her and every now and then she picks up on it and they 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 brush it off no 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 it's fine and she keeps finding out these these things uh, it seems like an awful lot has gone down in this past year and now she's having certain flashbacks to things uh she okay. found a unused condom in a packet in her uh, jacket pocket and she can remember being with some man who has tattoos. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going down and, yeah, I'm fascinated to find out where it's all heading. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Connie Nielsen too, she's also in a show on um, SBS On Demand 
it's uh, the dreamer becoming Karen Blixen. So I think oh. I'm going to go and check that out. It's had some nice reviews, but that's up on SBS On Demand. Look, let's move on. Lucky Hank. It's uh, Bob Odenkirk's latest um, series, and it's on it's on Stan. Uh, like, yep. you must have a deal with maybe Sony Pictures because Sony Pictures TV, a lot of his shows turn up on Stan. Of course, they had um, Better Call Saul. Yeah, uh, most recently, sixty-three episodes. I'm not sure if Lucky Hank will get such a long run, but um, who is he in, uh, Lucky Hank? Well, he's playing a university English professor, um, and look, you know, to be honest. We have seen this type of character many times over the years, this kind of dishevelled guy who's a bit over his job, who's kind of bored with his young students who all fancy themselves as great authors and, of course, he can see through them all. It reminded me very much of that Michael Douglas movie uh, where he played a character like that. And it also reminded me of a show that Sandra Oh made for Netflix. Oh, yes. Right? Mm. So I was watching it all like going, I I feel like I've seen this before, you know, all the the university stuff. Having said that, though, I watched the first episode of Lucky Hank and and I did laugh a few times and I did find uh, uh, his character quite interesting. I just don't know whether it's different enough for me to want to come back and and finish it all. Yeah, you're right. I was, um, I wasn't sure it it starts off, you think, hmm, it's an American drama. I mean, I've talked before about uh, <laughs> there's a few issues. American dramas just look a little bit shallower compared to some of the the British dramas that, that I sort of gravitate to. Yeah. Um, but, look, come the end of that first episode, I thought, look, I've had a pretty good time. It's, um, it was really enjoyable. He's a yeah, and the head of an English um, English department at a underfunded US college. He sort of has what he sort of a little bit of a meltdown near the start. Yeah. Causes a few issues for himself. Um that he tries to navigate around. And I'm I'm guessing, you know, we we see different episodes like that crop up in in subsequent uh ep- in episodes. And you know, it's kind of the cast is not what you would call well-known. There's really nobody else in the cast apart from Bob Odenkirk that I recognised. So it's good to see some new faces on the screen. But, yeah, I just just don't know that seeing this type of story yet again is going to lure me in when there's so many shows on offer to watch. Yeah, you're right. It's um, it's going to be hard to keep coming back to it. But uh, it, it was a good start. It was a, a promising series. Um, yeah, look, it it could do well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lucky Hank on Stan. What do you want? Let's do um extrapolation. Something. Okay. Yes. This is you the mentioned new Apple TV Plus series. Yep. On the three episodes went up in the first week. Yeah. Uh, then it drops weekly, which is, looks like it's a bit of a new model. People maybe to try and get you to get you hooked on the series. So they'll give you one, two, or three episodes. Yep. The more you get straight away, the more likely you are to keep going, I guess. 
I think it's a great strategy, uh, actually, because a lot of people do want to binge it all at once. But we know that if you binge it all in one weekend, you move on to the next thing and maybe there isn't a lot of word of mouth going on about it. So I think that this this way of posting three episodes to get you hooked and then dropping week by week, I, I think a lot of streaming services are doing this so that they can get some chatter going about the show. Yeah. Um I've got to say, I, this surprised me. When you, there's such an all-star cast, which we talked a, a, about last week, you know, it's just heavy with Hollywood talent, you yeah. know, from Sienna Miller, um, just a whole lot of people. Sienna Miller is really the star of the first few episodes, particularly episode two. Yeah. Where, where she nearly sort of, um, the whole episode's nearly about her. And, and her family and, and the job she's doing. Yeah. Um, so the second episode, I mean, the second episode is kind of weird for me. Um, <laughs> this whole story about the last humpback whale on earth as being voiced by Meryl Streep, I was kind of going, what's happening? Um, has she figured out some sort of uh, AI chat bot that makes the whale speak to her, but in the sound of Meryl Streep's voice. I, I I don't know that I ever quite figured out what was really going on. I knew what the story was going on, that it was the last humpback, humpback whale, but was she imagining that it was talking to her or was she really having conversations with it? Well, Meryl Streep's Sienna Miller's mother in the yeah. show. And I think, did she use the voice? Because there's a bit of... Yeah, oh. it's like Meryl Streep has died, but the daughter has kept her voice and put it into this program so that she can continue to have a part of her still there. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But um, that's but 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 it's all good stuff. I mean, the the series starts in twenty thirty seven. Episode two jumps to twenty forty six. Yep. Episode three, I think it's only one year on twenty. 47. Yes. So, and it's like, you know, the, the, that first episode starts off with a very sort of Greta Thunberg-like speech. Yes. About, you know, warning people what they should be doing. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they actually used one of her speeches because mm. I was thinking this sounds very familiar. But yeah. it's, um, and the, the world's in a bad way, and we know it's in a bad way now, I guess, but in a, in a decade down that, you know, um, what is it? It's 15 years forward or 14 years, whatever it is. Things are if getting really. Yeah, if you listen really closely, there's often just throwaway lines that sort of give you clues as to where the world is now. One of my favourite was they were talking about America and they went, oh, of course, you know, they made this line about, you know, until Texas broke away and became yes. their own country and you think, yeah, yeah that's kind of funny. Um, I, I wish it had a little bit more funny in it, James. It's very worthy, yeah. very serious and serious to the point that I was kind of going, oh, for God's sake, like, you know, the first episode does have some black humour in it, um, certainly with the character played by Matthew Reese and his uh, girlfriend played by Heather Graham. But then the tone of it switches completely for that second episode about the whale. And then the third episode is all about this young Jewish girl uh, who's uh, – fighting with her father, who's played by David Schwimmer from Friends. And we get back into that Greta 
Thunberg area there where we have the, the teenage girl really upset about what's happening in the world. And, of course, in the third episode, um, there is rising sea level in Miami and uh, the synagogue is having to put in a request to the city to have seawalls put up to save their buildings. And so, you know, they, they, this is all, you know, really interesting and important stuff about where we might be going with climate change. I just feel that this is just a little bit too serious and I, w- I wonder if people are going to stick with it because I know I'm sort of, I mean, the cast will always keep me there, but I know I'm sort of going, oh, like <laughs> seriously, where are we going to go with all this? <laughs> yeah, the um, I think David Schwimmer was very good. Sandra Mill, I've already said I, lo- I loved her work in that second episode. She was fantastic in it and it made me maybe overlook some of the plot um, stretches they give you. Meryl Streep didn't have a lot to do. She was she was good in her role. Um, yeah. I thought Kit Harrington was a bit weird, though. I didn't quite buy his character as a... He's a recurring a, character. He's going to yeah. be around, yeah. Yeah, so... And, and I note, too, that coming up in future episodes, uh, the female president is going to be played by Cherry Jones, who we just watched in that first episode of Succession. She is the right. female uh, female version media mogul of, uh, you know, the Roy Logan character. So, yeah, yes. it's um, she's great. I love her. So, yeah, I'll, I'll probably keep watching it. Yeah, no, I, I'll I'll keep watching that. I think it's good. So it's 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 one a week um, after these first three. Now, look, something you've been telling me to watch for quite a while now is History of the World Part Two. Yeah, and in particular, I said you've got to watch the second episode where they do a send up of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, and that's retitled Curb Your Judaism. I <laughs> know, and it's <laughs> Judas Iscariot. Uh, being asked by the Romans to betray Jesus with a kiss. But the Judas character is the Larry David character, complete with the music from Curb Your Enthusiasm and J.B. Smoove uh, and uh, another actor, is it Richard Kind, who's also yeah, in so. Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah. they uh, play similar roles in this. And, look, I thought that was really, really funny. Yeah, look, it was it's good. I don't think I'm as sold on it as you are. I I love the idea for curb your Judaism. I thought it was great. Not all the gags work, but they it's a funny, it's just a funny setup. Yeah. But, so I love that. I think Nick Kroll plays Judas. Yes, I, I think, think he so. doubles as Henry Kissinger in other parts of this as yeah, well. Yeah, and he's one of the writers of the show along with um Wanda Sykes. Yes, she's great. And Ike Barinholtz. All of them uh, have joined the writing team along with Mel Brooks because Mel Brooks is 96 years old now, so he's very cleverly brought in a whole team of writers now to help him do part two. He wrote the original History of the World Part One movie all by himself back in 1981, but I think it's very clever of him to sort of open it up and say, all right, let's all of you guys come in and here's the premise you can do any sort of crazy history skit that you do. What I find fascinating, though, is that 
now that it's a TV series, they lean a lot on sending up TV because as as well as doing a send-up of Jackass with uh, Johnny Knoxville playing Rasputin <laughs> and as well as doing the Curb Your Enthusiasm send-up, there's this quite hilarious send-up of African-American sitcoms of the 70s, shows that weren't huge in Australia but shows like uh, The Jeffersons and Good Times and shows like this. And this is very much Wanda Sykes bag and she uses a real life American politician of the 70s but puts her into one of those uh, sitcom setups. I mean that kind of was funny too. It's interesting that they decided to go that route going to TV. Well let's bring in some more TV tropes. It's funny. Yeah look and that, probably my favourite was Ronnie Cheng playing uh, Kublai Khan. Yes. That's excellent. That's uh that that really works. I thought it was a uh, it's a simple idea, but it but it but it works well. Can I just say that you know a lot of people you know the the people that are always saying oh political correctness has killed comedy they often cite Blazing Saddles. Oh well, you couldn't make Blazing Saddles today. Oh no, you wouldn't be allowed to make it. And it's like, hang on a second. Let's watch History of the World Part 2. First of all, you wouldn't make Blazing Saddles today because we don't, we're not sending up Westerns. We were doing it in the 70s because Westerns had been part of American culture on TV for a couple of decades and it was ripe for a send-up. No one would do a Western send-up today, you know, because it's not the dominating TV genre. The other thing is that if you actually break down Blazing Saddles and look at it, I mean, you can still make jokes about, people doing farts, which Blazing Saddles was famous for doing in that campfire scene where they were eating baked beans. When you really nut it down, the thing about Blazing Saddles that you wouldn't do today is that use of the N-word. Even though that N-word was used to expose racism and hypocrisy uh, when uh, Black Bart the Sheriff, as played by Cleveland Little, uh, ends up saving the town and all the white townsfolk end end up loving him. I mean, that's what we're really talking about. It's really saying, oh, it's not fair that white guys can't make sitcoms and use the N-word. Well, sorry, that's because now we let the African-American community do that as part of their comedy if they want to. So, yeah, I think that all of those gags, Mel Brooks is still doing the same gags. I mean, he does a lot of Jesus jokes in this, uh, and I'm not seeing anybody, you know, protesting outside Disney the way they have been outside Channel 10 because they did one joke about Jesus on the project. So, yeah, I think that all things are relative if you actually break them down and look at what we're really talking about here. History of the World Part 2, you can watch that on Disney+. Plus. Uh, look, before we wrap this week, a couple of things. We'll remind you, have some news next week about our new name for this podcast. Um, I just wanted to say, look, I finished the second season of Hotel Portofino. Oh, yeah. Over the weekend. I've quite enjoyed this second series. I don't want to say too much about the final episode, but if you've been on the journey, watch it, and it certainly sets it up for Series 3. So it gives you a few reasons. Um, I was entirely satisfied with it, but <laughs> it's going to make me think, oh, okay, I've really got to see how they start off Season 3. But um, yeah, right. Hotel Portofino... It's like the Durrells on Corfu. This is like English people in Portofino. 
Yeah. Look, I wanted to mention, uh, James, recently we spoke about reframed Marilyn Monroe, that incredible new documentary series on SBS On Demand. And I talked about it that I thought it was a reaction to Blonde, which is the Netflix movie that you and I didn't like. I would note that Blonde was uh, won the award at the Razzies this year for being the worst film of the year. Uh, so good choice for the Razzies there. But in talking about some other awards, the BAFTA TV nominations have just come out. And James, I mean, how would you pick the best actress here? You've got um, Maxine Peak for Anne, which you and I watched and we thought she was fantastic. Sarah Lancashire for Julia. Um, Vicky McClure for Without Sin, which I'm not yep. really familiar with. Kate Winslet for I Am Ruth, which hasn't screened here in Australia. Amelda Staunton in The Crown, who I really didn't like playing <laughs> QE2. And Billy Piper in I Hate Susie 2. And you know what? As much as I love Maxine Peake in Anne, I thought that that second series of I Hate Susie 2 with Billy Piper was extraordinarily good. So that's a really tough category. We'll, we'll come back to that and figure out who the winner is when uh, that award show goes to air. Okay, now talk about choosing winners. We need two programs of the week because we forgot it last week. Yeah. Okay, and we've got to do this week. I'm thinking we might be in um, – um, we might both be picking the same things. Well, the, obviously Succession is, yep. is the hot new show next week, but – well, look, I'm going to say close to me. I, I'm I'm two episodes in, and I'm I'm. No, really for last fascinated. week though, I was thinking uh, in our blood. Oh, in our blood, yeah. Last week was yeah, yeah. absolutely in our blood, and yeah. uh, and then this know, week's succession. This week's succession, but you know, yeah. I also put uh, a runner up there as close to me. I really like that, and uh, I'm I'm fascinated to see how it ends. Really got under your skin that one, didn't it? Good to yeah, see. Yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, great. Thank you very much, Andrew. You can read Andrew every week at mediaweek.com.au. He publishes a column on Fridays. It also goes out in our daily Media Week morning report. You can sign up for that email on the homepage of our website. Um, what's on your mind for this week, Andrew? Comedy. I've got a theme of comedy. We've talked about a few of the comedies here and there'll be some other stuff, uh, some more to say about them in my column uh, on Friday. Okie doke. All right. We'll uh, see you again in seven days' time. Thanks, James. Have a great week.